0: We're like verging on coming up with the new I like your shoelaces for hockey fandom.
1: everyone, and welcome back to Episode 3 of Goodwood. This is Jess, and I'm here with Kit and Beck. This is an episode about fandom cultures, platforms, and communities. We're really interested in where and how we do hockey fandom and how that's different from where and how we've done fandom in the past. Hockey fandom is a little bit unusual for all of us in that it's a fandom that we share with a demographic that doesn't usually tend to get involved in or know about transformative fandom. We spend a lot of time on Twitter and in shared social media spaces with your average straight sports bro, um, who obviously are not quite as interested in Sid and Gino kissing as we are. Um, What we're going to talk about today is how we navigate that um, relationship to these other larger fandoms, mainstream fandoms that are not transformative fandoms, while also navigating evolving fandom platforms and cultural norms. We have we're all longtime fans. We have many combined decades of fandom participation or involvement between us. And so we're just gonna think a little bit about our own histories with fandom platforms, how we've seen those platforms change over the course of our fanish histories and in hockey fandom specifically. And then we also invited listeners to write in with thoughts, questions, ideas. So we're also gonna use those as springboards to talking about how to navigate some of the social dynamics of a new fandom, of hockey fandom specifically. And just giving some thoughts and advice based on our experiences in fandom.
2: I would love to talk about, since our discussion today is going to be about fandom and how we do fandom, I would love to know what your fandom activity has been like lately. You know, what have you been up to? What have you done? Who are you? (laughs) (laughs) Who am I? How have you spent your summer? I just ran a
0: thick fest with a friend of mine. And it was our second go around with this fest, and it went pretty well. But I fumbled the ball on planning my own time for it. Like, I <laughs> I wrote one of the fix within like the forty eight hours leading up to the deadline. That's where that's where I am. I I got some fix out. I got done, and now I'm like trying to recover from writing, uh, like I think like seventeen thousand words over
1: the last like four days. That your ability to just like sit down and churn out like amazing thick <laughs> with like n- in 48 hours is incredible. I need like six
2: months and even that is sometimes not enough. <laughs> I think that disclaimer that disclaimer is really important that uh you wrote 17k <laughs> so <laughs> it, it it sounds like you didn't get anything done. I'll need to
0: look at my numbers it might be more closer to like 14k but like
2: Oh no! Only oh 14K. no! Yeah, I don't think that counts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <it's like
0: laughs> and you two have both been very busy, so like, <laughs> don't feel bad,
1: please. Yeah, this has been like a summer of existential panic for me. um I had to find a new job. I'm doing like a. I'm in the middle of a cross country move, so my whole apartment is boxed up right now. Um, so I feel like I feel like I've never felt this disconnected from fandom, or at least not for a while. Um, so I. I like was trying to remind myself that I have feelings about it, you know, strong feelings about it. And I'm sure it'll come back, but it's just a little bit hectic right now. So I'm, I feel like I'm not doing much. I'm not writing much. I'm not thinking much about it. But I'm doing this podcast. Here I am. It's easy to feel disconnected during the off season, too. Yeah. And I've been here for the important things, which are Sid's short shorts and Gino's hot twink summer. <laughs> so <laughs> I feel like, you know, I experience those emotionally, so I don't feel that disconnected. But.
2: Yeah, Kit, how has your summer been? Uh, I was just thinking maybe we could do like a fandom summer camp. Not summer camp, training camp. (laughs) Maybe we could do like a fandom training camp, like a rookie camp, you know? Like it's the season is starting back up and we all forgot how to do fandom. So maybe we got to get back on the ice. Yeah, got to see if we're going to make the team this year. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Coming back to what you said about hockey being a seasonal sport, that's definitely true. I feel less connected during the offseason, unless there's a big thing happening, like Gino signing.
0: Speaking of connection, we wanted to talk today about how we connect with other fans and how we build community. I think a really good place to start with that is with the rise of Discord, the discordification of fandom. Do you know when you started using Discord?
2: Yeah, actually, I started in 2019, early 2019, um, to join a fandom Discord.
0: What about you, Jess? Did you just start using it for hockey recently, or I
1: actually, weirdly, I used it for teaching at first during the pandemic. We would like have class, but then we'd be using Discord to like talk, you know, so students could like participate more actively. So I actually was not even associating it with fandom at the time, and so that would have been like in 2020, 2021. And then I don't think I got on Discord until, yeah, like, maybe, like, for fandom, like, until, like, late 2021. I wasn't even really on my radar, but.
0: Getting onto Discord for fandom was a bit different for me because I had never done a group chat for fandom before. The closest I'd ever gotten to that was, like, my forum lurking back in the day. Getting into a group chat, which was real-time interactions, which is very different than the Tumblr interactions you would get. And this was pre-Tumblr's chat function as well. Was so different.
1: Well, I mean, my first platform that I ever, that I can remember using was like GeoCities. Like, I had a Lord of the Rings fandom website as like a tiny child. And um, but we used it like kind of like a fandom platform, like my friend and I had ones together and we'd like update them regularly. So we kind of used them as a blog, you know, and then we'd like sort of write fic to each other in these like, you know, I don't think anyone else viewed these websites except for us. And like, you know, a handful of our friends. But was this um, an
0: IRL friendship?
1: Yeah, yeah. This is like a yeah, yeah. But he was also a fan. Um, and so we kind of got into that together. And then I was like, um, I definitely like I mean, I lurked on LiveJournal through until my early 20s you know like I, I was a lurker for a long time too and I would like occasionally comment but not very often Um, and then I think Tumblr was like Tumblr and 1D fandom was where I first started like really participating and I'd had a Tumblr for a long time but I'd never used it for fandom stuff before for some reason Um, but in college I started using it for fandom stuff and then in grad school I started using it like my early 20s I started using it for 1D fandom specifically because I was like oh there's all these pictures (laughs) of these boys on the internet that I can see and I can like curate them on my blog and then I think probably like a couple years out like maybe a year or so into my 1D fandom I started writing and then I started making friends with other writers and then I started using Tumblr much more as like a fandom you know like an active fandom engagement platform and then that's pretty much what I've used like I'm I'm on Twitter but I don't really use it very much because I It terrifies me um and then i think like discord like pretty recently but basically just tumblr um, for most of my like active fandom engagement period
0: it took me a really long time to get active on tumblr mostly because i'd been primarily a lurker before tumblr as well i was a young teenager when i got onto the platform and being that i'm technically part of the generation where online anonymity was really pounded into us by our parents and schools I just wasn't too interactive. I actually found Twitter to be a more low-stakes environment to interact on, just because tweets felt much more bite-sized than a Tumblr post. But I also think Twitter has a more toxic culture as a platform, so I never felt comfortable enough to make that my primary fandom platform. I also think that when I really started engaging with fandom in hockey, that was through FIC, and FIC's primary social media hub is Tumblr at the very least when it comes to hockey fandom. So it made sense for that to be my home base.
2: Just to come back to what you said about Twitter, you know, there's minors on there, and there's sports dudes on there, and crucially, there's players on there, and I never want to interact with them ever, ever in my life. If any of them ever saw a post that I made, I would delete my entire identity from the internet. And... Tumblr is kind of my home, my home base, like you said. What I like especially about Tumblr is that I've seen my role in fandom always as a kind of curatorial role or someone who, you know, collects things, who does fig recs and playlists and, and other things, who collects other fan works and displays them and talks about them. And I think that Tumblr really is the perfect platform for that. You don't really have that anywhere else. You definitely don't have that on on Twitter or on Discord. And because that's a form of fandom that has always really appealed to me, Tumblr has always really appealed to me. And I think that's why I'm still on it 10 years later, basically.
0: I liked how you framed that, Kit, because... It kind of clarified to me that for me, Tumblr is for like things and objects. Like I'm interacting with a picture, or I'm interacting with a gif, or I'm interacting with a text post. Like I'm interacting with a thing. And that's how I view Tumblr. Whereas I view Discord as I'm interacting with people. Ooh, I like To that. me, they serve very distinct purposes. But I think that's also partially because I've never I've never done like excessive amounts of socializing on Tumblr. I don't think the platform is that great for it. but I also think that the way I've used my blog traditionally and today doesn't really support. The use of it i think the microblogging feature isn't great for that and i think it can be done i've seen people do it i'm like i parasocially like watch the relationships of like destiel shippers because i find them to be some of the funniest people on the platform even though like i don't watch supernatural but like i follow some of these people because their friendships are hilarious and i just like to see it on my dash but it's like i'm watching them interact i'm not injecting myself And as it turns out, there may be a historical reason as to why Penguins Tumblr, or Sid Geno Tumblr specifically, does not interact as much on Tumblr in that way. When we solicited feedback from our listeners about their fandom experiences with socializing and making friends and lurking, a good friend of mine reached out to tell me a little bit of history with what was going on when she entered the Penguins fandom back in, I believe it was 2016. When she first entered the fandom it was actually a very scared paranoid place because it was being ransacked by a troll. It was so bad that a lot of fic writers who were writers of the fic that had gotten her into the fandom had left
1: due to harassment. Wait so you mean like one person was like going around and and kind of harassing people? Yeah. Like oh okay.
0: Presumably like there was a like I, I don't know a lot about it. This predates me, and I haven't found a lot of like writing on it, which has been. I would love to read like a meta a meta post about like the experience because I don't like I had heard about this vaguely, but
1: um, I like that we're describing it as like a a natural disaster or something that hit this community, and <laughs> <laughs> it's like we're trying to piece together like an I oral history them. of yeah, <laughs> you
0: know I. I think it was a troll that was exclusively targeting Sijuna people, but I'm not 100% sure. But regardless, a lot of like authors had left the fandom at this point and she she had to kind of like convince her way like into the fandom. Because people were so paranoid after like they'd had several influential people leave, everyone was kind of on edge and she had to be like I I'm here. I'm I'm not going to like I'm not going to ruin everything, but people were inherently distrustful because of what had just happened. So she kind of had to like work up her street cred a little bit and, you know, earn her way into fandom, which is so interesting to me because I don't like view that as like a way fandom works, but that's, that was the environment where she, you know, entered it. So she came from the Sherlock fandom to hockey. And when she came into hockey, she saw a very significant difference in how hockey people interacted with content on Tumblr specifically because that was her main fandom hub where she saw a lot of meta posts a lot of in, you know interactions where people were kind of encouraged to reblog a post and add their own thoughts beneath it and then it would kind of create those long threads that people would interact with and pick up and talk a lot and i think part of that is inherent to like the Sherlock fandoms i feel like out of all the fandoms, if anyone was going to, like, write extensively long meta posts, like, of course it would be Sherlock fans. In hockey, she saw people were not adding comments to posts. She saw just a total cultural shift. Where in hockey fandom, people didn't really deviate posts from their original, like, meaning. Like, they didn't really want to take a turn that the OP wouldn't expect. People kind of didn't really reply to posts At all in hockey fandom that she noticed. All the commentary that might have gone in the body of a post on like in a different fandom would be just in the tags. But then those get lost with consecutive reblogs, right? And so she just started noticing that posts got really static. Like they stopped being interactive and people stopped having the courage to interact because they didn't see a culture of interaction.
1: I feel like those fandom norms are so interesting to think about. Cause like, I feel like in, in Kit, maybe you can say if this feels right or not, but um, I feel like in One Direction fandom, there was very much a culture of reblogging people's posts and like having whole conversations in the reblogs, like, right. Or you would do some of that like thick outlining or not ficking or whatever in the posts. Like somebody would post something, somebody else would reblog it with an edition. You'd reblog it back with a, a longer edition. And like, so I think in some ways, like that's, I've kind of, I've, I've definitely seen that gone away. Like that feels right that I've seen that kind of like less of that happening, but I feel like that's the kind of fanish culture I came to hockey from. And I still feel like most of my hockey fandom friends, like the majority are like people I was in One Direction with. I don't know if that's the case for you, Kit, but like, I feel like I have a huge section of people who, even if I didn't know them in One Direction fandom, they also came over with that wave, and so I feel like some of the cultural norms of, like, you know, it feels less – I guess it feels like that idea of hockey being really isolating, like, doesn't totally resonate with my experience because I think I imported these cultural norms from, you know, 1D.
0: Well, if it hasn't been isolationist, my question then to you is, Have has most of your interaction been with people from your old fandom, would you say?
1: Um. Like definitely at first. Um, Now I feel like I have a wider range of fandom friends, like including some people I didn't really know that well or didn't know at all in One Direction. Although I still feel like for whatever reason, I still have a lot of people have a background in One Direction, even if I didn't know them there. Um, I don't know. Kit, what has your experience been like? Like the 1D to hockey or like, or do you feel like you have like a much wider range of fandom friends on Tumblr?
2: I feel like I didn't come into hockey with a community at all I actually felt really isolated I think at first when I got into hockey because I didn't know anyone else who was into hockey and I also didn't come over you know when there was like a wave of people coming over from whatever fandom I was in at the time it really felt like I started you know posting some hockey posts on my main blog and Obviously, like no one interacted with that, so I just made a side blog, and that's where I've been since. But it took me quite a long time to interact with anyone, and I don't actually think that I started interacting with people on Tumblr. I think I started on Twitter. I don't know. For some reason, it just felt easier to reply to some you know, mutual followers' tweet than to just come into someone's ask box or someone's DMs. It took me at least a few months to interact with anyone. And then I found some people on Twitter who invited me to their Discord server, which was, I think, just five or six people on that server. And those were kind of the first people that I actively engaged with. And they were not Penguins fans. They were like a mix of like flyers, canes, sharks fans or whatever so wow you um, really threw yourself in the in the
0: lion pit there with like flying fans and sharks like traditionally
2: yeah it was it was i had no idea like about any of the rivalries i had no idea about like the fandom culture or anything uh, but that was actually kind of fun because the discord server was so small that it was manageable and at some point i joined a really really huge hockey discord server with hundreds of people in that discord server and yeah i noticed really quickly that i wasn't gonna engage much on there and i only just i used it to maybe check it if there was some major event in the pence in the pence fandom for example but that was kind of my my only brush with bigger discord fandoms and then from there i think um Once I had a few contacts, I found it easier to also engage with people on Tumblr or to maybe send someone a DM. But yeah, it was pretty isolating for a long time. But because that was not my first fandom, like I've gone through this many times before. I didn't mind that isolation so much at the beginning because I knew that those things take time and take effort.
1: Ooh, I, well, I came over, and I was just thinking, Kit, while you were talking, I feel like maybe part of the difference is I came over with a group of writers that I've been working with, so it was, like, I kind of was already part of this writing community in one direction, and then everyone moved over to hockey fandom, and then I think what's changed is that all of those writers got into other, like, teams, you know, <laughs> so I'm the only one who's, like, really into the pens and, like, said Gino, so that that's when I kind of started branching out and meeting other people in hockey fandom and maybe experiencing some of that feeling you said of being, like, a little bit isolated at first and just like taking time to build up those relationships.
0: My question for you too is did you start making friends before you started making content?
2: I was gonna say no, I didn't I didn't create anything before I had fandom friends because I definitely only started writing Fic after I'd made friends. But um thinking back on it, I definitely did contribute something to the fandom I mean like just stupid text posts or like I made funny graphics so like not even stuff that was in any way um high effort or you know super creatively engaging work or whatever but I did try to make my my online persona or my blog show a bit more of a personality you know there's a there's a person behind this blog that you can approach and that um, has an identity and a personality and I think that definitely helps you know just because you're not an artist or a writer doesn't mean that you don't contribute something really valuable to the fandom and That you don't have the opportunity to make the same connections and to find fandom friends or fandom acquaintances, which I think are just as important. And it it really is more about showing that you are a person and that you are a person that someone can make friends with. Everyone everyone who's ever written a fic loves nothing more than to talk about that fic. Oh my god, yeah. um, (laughs) (laughs) that's a little a little um, secret for you Um, and even if you just talk to people about their fix you don't need to have written anything yourself people are just happy when you're enthusiastic about the things they've made or if you're enthusiastic about the same thing that they are enthusiastic about so if you see someone you know like post a lot about a certain thing and you ask them about it or you're you know you come into their DMs and you engage with them about that topic, you're very likely to get a good response, I think.
0: That's very true. But I also think we're still talking about, like, these are private interactions. Like, all of these, like, oh, well, you can always talk to people. It's almost exclusively, we're referring to that in that you move into the private sphere and you, like, open up DMs. Or if you know them on Discord, you talk to them in Discord or what have you. And that runs the risk of siloing these friendships, and i think I think that's a part of it because like you know you don't i th- I think part of encouraging a really interactive fandom like this is totally guesses like i have I have no idea, but what makes sense to me is that if you see a lot of people interacting and having friendships out in the open, it's more like you feel more empowered to like enter that that arena you know like you're like oh my god they're friends and they're talking about this stuff i i can talk about that stuff too or like you know i I see how i can relate you can kind of like get a foot in the door and kind of forge a relationship which is like why i'm back on on twitter because like i saw people having conversations only on there and like not on tumblr i'm like oh well uh, i'll try and interact with them on twitter because they seem cool i think that would be fun and when you forge those relationships in private, it runs the risk of people who were not in those conversations think, like, they're totally removed from, like, the arena of conversation entirely. And something my friend, the one who experienced, like, the troll, talked about how she has heard of Discord, but she's never used it. Is that going to just fracture the foundation of hockey fandom? Those are her words. You know, like, sh- The existence of, like, strong little pockets of people who have made, you know, really valuable private connections with people, they they just become those little pockets, and the silos that they're in become more and more divorced. And so she says that's not to say Discord is bad, and she's sure a lot of fandom good comes from it, Um, and those are probably the people that are still fueling the fandom out on Tumblr or AO3 or other sites, but it's probably going to further break down the collective fandom into smaller groupings, which is, like, you know— tucked away in those servers or in those group chats and then for the people who don't realize those discords exist they just see the fandom getting smaller and she says it's sad and she doesn't have an answer um but she really wishes people could normalize replying on posts again and going back to interacting in public because she feels like the people who are isolated and who aren't haven't been invited into those private arenas like they don't see the fandom because the fandom is tucked away
1: It's kind of interesting because I feel like it kind of depends on how you use, like, Discord. Like, so, like, Kit, I had the same experience where I joined probably the same giant hockey Discord. And I was quickly like, this isn't really for me. I feel like Tumblr is fulfilling that need for me and is better suited to that kind of, like, big public fandom experience. but. I feel like I use Discord as like, like AOL instant messenger, but like all the time, (laughs) like, you know, I don't know, like the 2022 version of that. Like, I use it as like definitely like a compliment to my Tumblr fandom. And like, it's kind of like what Beck said, like Tumblr fandom is like interacting with objects or like I'm curating images, I'm doing, I'm developing a persona through tags or whatever, And then like the Discord is like the kind of constant flow of conversation behind that where I'm not posting about stuff, but I'm just like chatting with people about thick ideas or just like, you know, talking to friends throughout the day. So I guess for me, it feels like they kind of fuel each other. And like one is just fulfilling this, like the service that like, Tumblr messaging or WhatsApp or like AOL Instant Messenger like to go way back, you know, like that those things fulfilled for me in earlier iterations of my fandom experience. So I guess to me, it doesn't feel like it's siloing it so much because it hasn't like really affected my like in like my in public Tumblr like activity or whatever. It's just like an addition. It's like a different type of fandom engagement that accompanies that kind of more public version.
2: I think I'm also very aware that When I interact with my friends or, you know, with people on Tumblr or Twitter, I'm very aware that it's public and that I'm kind of performing something publicly. Or if I'm not performing, then at least that it is publicly visible and that anyone can access it and that it's going to stay on the Internet and it's going to stay accessible to people. And that stifles of course, some conversations just because it's a different context, and then I would use discord kind of as a messaging service where I talk about stuff that I wouldn't just you know put on the internet because i I do think that you know privacy is also an issue in fandom, and I don't obviously always want everyone to see what I'm saying to my friends, but I do think that there are kind of these maybe two worlds or two uses of discords you know you have the the discord servers with i don't know 10 50 200 people that are more cliquey or more about you know like doing fandom on discord um, than using it just as a messaging a messaging service and i definitely think that that can create that that cliquey feeling where you know you're in a fandom and then suddenly everyone has the same in-jokes and the same references and you don't understand them because you're not on the Discord. And I think that especially the way Discord works can be very exclusionary where it's super instant. It's not about, you know, that curatorial space that Tumblr is where you can interact with old content. You have to be there and you pretty much have to be there in the moment. And I find that really difficult to engage with as someone who's usually not in the same time zone as a lot of other people on there you know you you wake up in the morning and there's been just a ton of messages and all the fun stuff happened while you were asleep and you can't really contribute to it anymore afterwards and I did very much enjoy my time on some of these um, discord servers but it is definitely Exclusionary in some ways that I think can make it really difficult for a lot of fans out there. Yeah, the idea of clicks is really interesting to me because I think
1: like I feel like I used to feel that way much more strongly in fandom that there were clicks that I wasn't a part of or that like there were clicks who like weren't accepting new members right you know that kind of like high school like social dynamic or whatever but I feel like as I've gotten older and spent more time in fandom like it's just kind of like like one person's clique is just like another person's friend group you know and it's not like people people typically are not trying to exclude you or trying to perform their friendship in a way that like shuts other people out it's just like you have your friends and you're engaging with them online and like it's not personal you know so I feel like I've gotten better as I've moved from fandom to fandom at like not taking it personally If like somebody already has like an established friend group and, and like, I guess the way I think of it is like, like sometimes your dance card is full. Like you just don't have the capacity to take on an infinite number of friends. No one person can be like responsible and open to the entire fandom. Like, you know, that's just like, we don't have that kind of emotional energy. Like no one person does. And I think like at a certain level, like fandoms are just like any other social group where you can't be friends with everybody you can be nice to everybody you can be kind to everybody and you can be like welcoming and be like you know but you're always going to have people that you're closer to or people that you are more like acquaintance outer ring or whatever and i think that's just fine you know it's just like i think the where it becomes a problem is like when people interpret it as like being really closed off or whatever
0: the clickishness implies an exclusivity and it implies that you know fuck everyone else I only care about these people and I care about making you feel bad that you're not part of it. And I feel like that is so rarely people's intentions.
1: And I feel like we should say like, it's obviously like, you know, like we're making this podcast together. We're pretty good friends. We talk all the time, you know, on Discord and on Tumblr. But like, it's really understandable, like, especially if you're new to a fandom or if you're just entering entering into a fandom to feel that sense of like isolation or exclusion or whatever, as you're trying to feel out like, who are your people going to be? And like, maybe the people that you want to be your people, like maybe their dance card is full and they just don't have, they're not looking to take on new friends you know it sounds awful but like that's just normal like but I think yeah I just want to say like I think that um feeling is really understandable I think yeah just where it like becomes troubling is like when people then like project that project or like they project some emotion onto that that the person isn't feeling
2: is this the point where I admit that this was all just a ruse to lure you into my podcast click
1: (laughs) (laughs) the long game yeah (laughs) yeah
2: Yeah, you're now in a click. Have good luck getting out of it.
0: One of our anons that we got on the Goodwood podcast Tumblr uh, was talking about how, like, the smaller ships in Penn's fandom died off after the 2018 collapse, by which they mean the White House incident, and how in 2016 2017, there was a lot of fic about the young call-ups who helped, like, win those cups, and now they don't see those rare pairs anymore and they only see Sid Gino stuff and or you know they do see a few like rare pairs in different hockey fandoms that they can like participate in and in this person's observations they said that they felt that the Bruins fandom was actually really good at rare pairs like just in creating a pairing for everyone apparently the Bruins fandom is just like willing to give everyone a boyfriend at a moment's notice and they've even kept some Bruins ships of lesser-known players going after trades which is really impressive to me and this person said that it kind of makes them jealous of those authors because um, of the authors of those rare pair fics, uh, in the Bruins fandom because they all clearly know each other and are having a collaborative blast and that's why they're able to keep those rare pair like going even after some of those people or both of them have been traded off of the team they root for um and this person says that the key there is that the group of people who are into those smaller pairings bounce ideas around and cheerlead each other and stuff and then that keeps stuff going you know they, they went on to talk about how the increasing like rooting for multiple teams of hockey fandom has kind of helped that um, because it helps open a space up for all sorts of pairings and, you know, doesn't necessarily lead to, you know, universal dominations, kind of like Segino did for Penguin's fic. And it's led to a lot of different collaboration, which has kind of helped as, like, big ships have declined, like Segino or, like, Patrick Kane and Taves or, like, the brief glimmer of moment that, like, ben Gwyn had before it kind of fell off. You know, but to them, the core of it was that they knew these people who had a vested interest in doing rare pair fic and they kept the momentum going because they were all really good friends with each other.
2: Yeah, I think it's kind of important to point out that, you know, there isn't any hockey fandom as such. You know, it's just a bunch of small fandoms in a trench coat. And sure, the the multi-teamification is maybe changing some things there, but I think fundamentally that's still... Um, a characteristic of hockey fandom and the pens fandom is kind of in a unique place there because you know Sid Gino is kind of the last great white whale out there you know it's like the last juggernaut ship in hockey fandom and there have been other big ships that have come up since I wonder if Nolan Patrick hadn't been traded If the TK Nolan Patrick ship
0: would have, like, gotten to that level. Because I think they were on the right... I think...
2: Yeah, I think they were going there. I think they were going there. To at least, like, be a bigger, long-lasting ship. But... Oh. That's... That is painful to think about, actually. Like, just... How things can go in hockey, huh?
0: Right. Well, I think that's part of it, too. Is, like, we can't necessarily control the objects of our fandom... Focus and I like that's true for fictional ships true, like you can't stop the writers of a TV show from carrying killing off your favorite character, but yeah. um the volatility of hockey, I think <laughs> makes the fandoms really volatile as well
2: you can't you can't stop Gary Batman from killing off your favorite player <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, and so you know because you can't stop Gary from sneaking up with a butcher's knife, that means that you can't no necessarily control there's so much again there's so many random factors that can lead to like one chunk of fandom doing well and one chunk of fandom not doing well and then that then creates the social environments for which people to interact within like the fact that like apparently a single like nasty troll fucked up the sid gino fandom for so long and then that <laughs> that has apparently helped lead to kind of a quieter tumblr presence which a lot of people aren't even aware of, you know? And it's like, how do you navigate in these social environments that you might genuinely not have context for?
2: And I really admire people who actively do things like create the Penguins Rare Power Fest, you know, like actively creating spaces that lead to kind of a more varied and um, inclusive and interesting fandom space for everyone. So I think it's really cool when people do things like that.
0: Someone wrote in to the podcast saying, God, I really miss kink memes. I know there are occasionally some on Dreamwith and fests work similarly, but there was just something awe-inspiring about being a newbie in a fandom and knowing you had X number of posts with five or 10k comments on each filled with the strangest requests and fills to work through. Anon obviously brings out the worst in people, and I definitely don't miss the drama llamas that always followed, but I do miss that level of instant and truly anonymous collaboration. Like, hell yeah, fellow Anon, that was the absolute weirdest thing I've ever seen. I'll happily bang out 500 words for you and then go about my day. I was so charmed by that ask because I. Never did kink memes. Like, I've read. I've read stuff that was posted to AO3 that was originally written for a kink meme fill. But I was so charmed by how this person looked back upon the days of the kink meme and truly anonymous interaction, which is not the same as what we've been talking about, which is deeply personal interaction. But how we don't really have great spaces for anonymous interaction. Because even though you have anon on Tumblr, you can't answer an anon on and on. You know, someone's coming to you.
2: Yeah, I miss I miss those anonymous places. I think that's not even just a fandom thing. That's an internet in general thing, you know? There's just less anonymity and you're way more often kind of expected to use your real name and your face and stuff. And I think maybe that's one of the reasons we've also kind of lost the kink meme. I don't know. It's just one of my theories. But I super agree with Anon here that kink memes were kind of a special place especially for collaboration and for fandom creativity. And I also wish we could have them back.
0: And they also allow for people to interact with other people if they don't like the super personal stuff. Like we got another one on the Tumblr that said that they hated Discord because that was everything that they hated about engaging with anyone, you know, let alone fans. And I think, too, like there's nothing wrong about being a lurker, too. Kit and I both talked about this in our first episode, or first two episodes, one of the two, and not everyone is always ready to be an active fandom participant, you know? Like, I'm grateful I was not an active fandom participant when I was, like, 14, 15, 16. Like, I personally don't think I needed to put that out into the world. (laughs) People are, and fandom is this uncontrollable thing that has its ups and its downs, the beauty of it is you can interact on your own terms and i think the fact that everyone so many people want different things out of fandom because of that fandom is not going to give everyone what they want exactly all the time and there's a there's a beauty in that but there's also a frustration in it and i think there's something like my my solace i take out of it is the fact that there's something for everyone and there might not be everything for you but there like you if you want to be here i think you can usually find a corner that will get you something that you want.
1: There's still lots of things you can do to be part of the little town that is fandom. Assuming that you're a person who lurks, but you would like to be more actively involved, like you would be happier if you were more involved. What is the one piece of advice or, you know, a couple pieces of advice you would give to that person for how to make those friendships or kind of break into a fandom where you feel kind of on the outside?
2: I think there are a lot of different things that you just have to try out and not all of them are going to work. Not all of them are going to result in anything, but put something of your personality out there. Write more text posts, post more pictures, let people know what you're enthusiastic about because you're a fan, you know, you enjoy something and you want to probably talk about it. So let people know what that specific thing is and don't Be discouraged if you go into someone's DMs or if you send someone a message and it kind of peters out after a while because that's just how most conversations happen. And at some point, there's going to be someone who will come back to you and want to engage with you in that way. Don't lose hope if it doesn't happen on the first few tries.
0: I think my piece of advice... This is something I've experienced and I've also experienced with others directing it at me, which has been the weirdest thing, is don't assume that you don't deserve to be in a conversation with someone. I was very guilty of, in the past, being like, oh, well, you know, they they wrote this, like, amazing fic. They're, like, so talented or, like, they're so smart and they write the best meta posts ever. Oh, my God. Like, I would have nothing to contribute. I'm, like, not cool enough. I found that to be patently untrue. That can be so hard to overcome. But what's kind of helped me get over that insecurity was like the mortifying realization that like some people would act that way towards me. And I'd be like, oh, Jesus Christ, you think what? Like it was like so, it's like, it's deeply embarrassing to have someone be like, oh my God, you're so cool. And you're like, oh, what? But you never know what people think of you in like the best way possible sometimes. Sometimes it's really bad, sometimes it's really good. You could be friends with. Just about anyone, if you gave it a shot, and like maybe it won't work out for any any number of reasons. Like just said, maybe their punch card is full, or you know maybe they're going through something right now, or maybe your time zones just make it really difficult. Like you never know the reason. But preemptively writing yourself off as being like, oh I could never be friends with those people, or like oh I could never, you know, have a great conversation with someone, has been
1: proven false again and again to me. We underestimate how important it is to like make our intentions known, right? They're not going to be rude to you. I think a lot of times people are so flattered. I'm so into this thing you're into, or I loved these tags you wrote, or I can't stop thinking about this fic idea that you had. If you kind of make it clear that you're in the market for friendship, for fandom friendships and fandom conversation, I think that can make it easier for other people to read, oh, yeah, and I'm actually looking for that too. And that would be great. Like, let's be friends. There are small ways to do that if that feels really intimidating. One way that I've become friends with people is they'll reblog my posts where I posted something and then written funny stuff in the tags. They'll reblog it and in the tags, they'll put their own like funny addition. Like they'll be talking to me in the tags. We're not friends, but like that's totally fine within Tumblr etiquette to do that. And it always makes me feel a little bit closer to them because I'm like, oh, they like called me by my name. And then I think the other thing I'd say is like I'm a big believer in like online friend chemistry. And I think you'll kind of feel that out in the early conversations. Like, it might be a little awkward at first, but you sort of figure out, like, who is going to be, like, a good kind of friend match for you. And is their energy, like, the same as yours? Do they have the same taste as you? Like, are they interested in the same kinds of things? And don't force it if it's not. Like, if it feels like it's not a good match, like, that's okay, too. And having that, like, friendly contact is, like, just nice to feel like you're part of a community, even if it doesn't end up being, like, a deep friendship, you know?
2: I was just going to say. You know, if all else fails, you can always just go to a hockey game and shout, Who all wants to see these guys kiss on the mouth? And maybe (laughs) you'll find your people. (laughs) Try it out.
0: We're like verging on coming up with the new I like your shoelaces for hockey fandom.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, see if they're like, yeah, (laughs) if they're also (laughs) interested in these guys kissing. Like.
2: I'm encouraging people to send us an email or to send us an ask on Tumblr and let us know what hockey fans should say to each other to recognize fellow freaks. If you'd
1: like to react to the episode or write in with questions or topics for us to discuss, you can reach us at goodwoodpod on Tumblr or goodwoodpod at gmail.com. We can't wait to hear from you.